Welcome to the Musquamacan Beach Podcast, a podcast spotlighting the businesses, newsmakers, events, and memories of Rhode Island's historic Musquamacan Beach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Musquamacan Beach Podcast. My name is Ben Barber. I'm your host and one of the producers of the show. Today, we have a very special guest all the way from Oregon. Um, John Batdorf, who is a musician and prolific songwriter. Uh, you may know him from the hits Wham Bam and Somewhere in the Night uh, with his group Silver and Batdorf and Rodney. Uh, Wham Bam was actually in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, so if you, it's from the 70s, but it's, it's still got a life. Uh, and it's a wonderful song. Not only that, but he has a ton of new music. He has written more new music in the last few years and recorded them, and they all sound uh, as amazing as ever. So check that out on Spotify and at johnbatdorfmusic.com. He also tells a really inspirational story about halfway through the show, and he has some great tips for singers um, at the end. So just a fantastic interview, and uh, I'm going to keep this pretty short because it's such a wonderful interview, and I just want to get to it. Uh, I recommend everybody check out John Batdorf when he comes to Tunes on the Dunes, um, July 30th at 6 p.m. with special guest Allison Flower. Uh, definitely check that out and enjoy the interview. All right, so I'm here with John Batdorf. Uh, how are you today, John? I'm great, thank you, Ben. Thank you. You are the... Uh, furthest away interview that I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Can't go too much farther than we'd be out in the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. You beat um <laughs> you beat out Joey Molland. He was in uh he was in Minnesota when I talked to him. Oh, uh, I, I beat him by a mile. Or yeah. actually about two thousand miles. <laughs> yeah, at least by a time by a t- by uh two time zones, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um you have a wonderful career in music that I'd love to talk about that is still going. And um, you're also going to be playing at Musquamica Beach uh, for Tunes on the Dunes Monday, July 30th at 6 p.m. with Allison Flower. Um, uh, you, yes. So we're very excited for that. Thank you for coming and uh, traveling all this way to, to make that gig. Um, we're really excited about it, and I think it's going to be a great show. Well, thanks. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's uh, it's you know I, I I go to the East Coast so much more than probably any place else, and uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with back in the Batdorf and Rodney days in the '70s. We spent so much time on the East Coast because we just our our music just really kind of worked back there, and uh, there's a lot of great places to play, and still are on the East Coast, as opposed to many other regions of the United States. So I'm happy to come back. That's um that's fantastic. So for those who don't know, um you had uh two wildly successful hits with different groups, um which is impressive. Not a, not a ton of people can say that. Um so you're probably most well known for um would you say you're most well known for Wham Bam? Or... I would think that that, that you know, Wham Bam I believe was the was the biggest commercial success that I ever had with the, with the band Silver. 1976 was uh, a band that I put together right after the Betterford Rodney thing was over with, and it was uh, it was a 
big hit. I mean, number 16 in the nation is not too bad. Yeah, no, not at all. And um, somewhere in the night, also uh, with Batdorf and Rodney, uh, cracked the top 100. Um, pretty pretty high. I mean, uh, you know, fairly well into the top 100 as well. Um, so that's those are two bit, pretty big commercial uh, successes. Uh, and they happened one right after another, didn't they? <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, uh, we had had uh, some commercial success with uh, the song You Are a Song, which was on the third Metro for Rodney record. Um, it charted, uh, I think it didn't get real high, but we did chart, but then we had Somewhere in the Night came out, which was supposed to be on the fourth Metro for Rodney album. And uh, the fact that we never got to that fourth album, it just it only uh, exists in single form. Oh, I, didn't, then, uh, I did not know that. Yes, and uh, right after that, uh, I formed Silver, and we we did the Wham Bam. So we were kind of on a roll there. It was pretty great. That's uh, that's awesome, and that you know that would be um, that's quite the success to hang your hat on. But uh, what I'm what I was really uh, excited about talking about today um, was your newer stuff. Uh, so when I found out about this interview. Um, I immediately went on Spotify uh, and uh, found some of your your newer stuff, which I was um, there was a ton of. By the way, you have yeah. you uh, it's it's it seems like you uh, you've released ten albums in the last ten years. Um, it might have been the last two years. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and they're all um, honestly they're all phenomenal. Uh, I really oh, enjoyed you. I really enjoyed all of them. Um, a personal favorite of mine just. Uh, because um, I as well am a huge fan of uh, of I'm sorry, the Twilight Zone is um, Next Stop Willoughby. Oh, thanks. And the song Willoughby, uh, which I think is is fantastic. Um, so you were a you were a big Twilight Zone fan growing up. Yeah, I was a big Twilight Zone fan growing up. I I watched it. Gosh, it must have been you know nine or ten years old at the time. And uh, I mean, the, the television in that era was so effective, even though it was you know low budget stuff, and and that that episode about next up Willoughby stuck with me forever, and and uh, it, it 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 came back when my wife and I left Southern California and found this beautiful place in in uh, Central Oregon, and the the stories about a guy who goes on a train and finds this beautiful place that he wants to be the rest of his life. And uh, we kind of, we were driving around this area and found this beautiful place called Eagle Crest. And we looked around and we thought, my gosh, this is Willoughby. We found Willoughby. <laughs> and so, and so I, I, I started writing that song and, and it's, it's just about the Twilight Zone episode and, uh, how we ended up finding our Willoughby in our life, and uh, it was uh, it was fun to write. I, I, I love writing so much. Uh, I love recording. I love recording new stuff, and uh, that song just became kind of a, a staple. We made a little video of it here at Eagle Crest to show what a beautiful place it was. And yeah, I was just going to ask if the music video, which you can find on YouTube um, under John Batdorf, uh, I was wondering if the music video was was filmed in Eagle Crest. Uh, it it was. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful video. Um, there's tons of great footage, and there's also, you know, you you start with uh with the family watching the Twilight Zone, which is which is really nice. 
Um, yeah, that, that reminded me a lot of our family sitting around that old black and white TV watching Twilight. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, <laughs> so, um, how do you, you said that you love writing and you love recording, which uh, is very clear um, because you know you're still doing it at such a high level and uh, frequency. You know, um, you're a very if you look at the the catalog and the fact that uh, you know. People, um, it 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 takes a lot to put out that many new albums, um, in in a relatively short period of time, you know, and uh, that you're a very prolific songwriter. It doesn't seem like you have any lack of uh something to say. You know what I mean? Um, it's uh, it all of your songs have perspective, and um, the, there's a lot of uh humor in them and and sadness and you know you're just such a prolific songwriter um when did you realize that you had that talent and when did you kind of fall in love with the art of songwriting well you know i i, I kind of was surrounded by it when i was a youth um i took my first guitar lesson when i was five um my father played guitar and my mother played piano my grandfather played saxophone and my other grandparents played uh these tenor Martin guitars. So I was always around music, but it was probably, uh, and I started, my think about the first band was I was in fourth grade. And, uh, the thing that really set me off is, uh, cause my father was a country musician and, and probably in his, his perfect scenario, I would become a, a country artist, which huh. is ne- never was going to be in my DNA. I, I can't sing that low. Yeah. And <laughs> so, I, I, when I I saw the Beatles on, on Ed Sullivan in '64, that just was so inspirational to me, and, and I thought, "Gosh, I want I want to do this. I, I, this is music that I that I can I that touches me, and 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 I want to become you know kind of like this." And so that's when I was uh, 12, and uh, and I continued to start writing songs that weren't really great songs. But I started writing from about 15 on, and uh, which some of the songs that I wrote between 15 and 18 were on the first Patrick from Rodney record. Uh, so it's just kind of always been there. And even when I wasn't making records, I was, you know, doing TV scoring, which is just another way to uh, to write melodies that help make a scene work. So yeah. it's always kind of been in there. It's always been in there. And I hope I, it stays for a little bit, at least a little while longer. I think I don't see you slowing down anytime soon. Um, so how did you get into TV and film uh, composing? Yeah, it was just a thing that I know in, um, I think it was around 1985 when I was, I was kind of a studio singer at the time. I, you know, the record business had changed and new wave was out and punk music was out. And this new technology came out called MIDI. And it was, uh, it was all about synthesizers being able to to record and play multiple parts, and I, that intrigued me so much. I always loved violin. So I was always a big Beatles, George Martin, like Eleanor Rigby. I mean, just those strings and stuff always really got. To, I thought, well, I can kind of I can kind of synthesize this. So I didn't know at the time, but I was prepping myself for my uh, my big chance in 1997 or six when I got a. Uh, a call that uh, there was an open uh, kind of cast casting for a uh, composer for a new spinoff of Touch by an Angel, which was uh, Promised Land with Gerald McCraney 
And uh, so I had done a lot of scoring for commercials and uh, other kind of musical events. And so this was my really big chance. And uh, I worked the whole summer trying to get that gig. And eventually I got the gig and uh, was kind of in over my head the first the first <laughs> season. Because I, I'd never worked with, with deadlines like like we had there. I mean, it was like, okay, we need, you know, uh, 15 minutes of full orchestra score in three and a half days. Absolutely. And writing for something and for somebody instead of just writing, you know, what comes naturally to you is, uh, is a completely different skill set. Totally, totally different gig. The thing was, was interesting about it. And I, a composer said this once in an interview, because what you do is you get a, you get a, a scene, maybe 30 seconds or up to five minutes and the, the producer says, "Well, I need you to make this scene pull. I need you, you need to you know keep it keep it rolling. Because if you ever watch TV shows or movies without music, it's, yeah, it's 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 uh, <laughs> if it's not used specifically as a device, then it's uh, it's very awkward. <laughs> yes. So the thing is, is you know, you're looking at this film and you think, what what do you play here? What what works here? And then all of a sudden." Something clicks. It's like getting a song idea. And you start, and you have no idea where you're going because you're not writing lyrics. You don't have to make sense musically as far as meter-wise. You're just trying to go through the scene and, and make the people feel a little more emotion from what's going on with the dialogue and the acting without getting in the way. And it was a, it was a, it was a tough thing to learn, but uh, I, I really enjoyed I was doing it almost seven years, so it was great. That's awesome. Um, what was your uh, now? Did you find the um, did you find a similar joy in uh, the film and TV composing to um, compared to writing your own music? Like, was it a because it's a different you know as we just said it's a different skill set and it's a different and it's problem solving and then also the same creative muscle. Um, but is it, uh, you know, was it, was it more enjoyable, less enjoy? I, I obviously, I don't think it was more enjoyable than writing your own things. Um, but was it, uh, you know, did you find a similar joy in, uh, the completion of the songs and the process? Well, yeah, what, what I really enjoyed, I mean, it was, it was not fun. It was, uh, it was a total, I've never been in a job where you just grind and you grind, you're up at, you know, six in the morning and you work till 10 at night. And sometimes I even get up at four in the morning to make sure I got the cue written. And my my thing was I never wanted to to not finish a cue. And uh, so sometimes I'd have you know nine, ten cues, and they were all different times. And sometimes I'd have twenty. And uh, I just I, I never did miss a cue. Uh, and it, the joy was that you know here you do you have this film. It's three days before it's on the air and you finish it and you hear it in the show and it's it was it was probably the the, the best work ethic i had ever experienced <laughs> because yeah i never i never had to work like that and then i found out that i could and that has carried on to now that i'm making records again because i use that same work ethic i'm up really early in the morning i review from the day before so it really taught me a lot and plus you know, I never made money like that before. Right. And, and it was funny because it wasn't like it was a featured thing. It was, it was a little bit confusing to me because you make a lot of money on music that some people don't even notice is in the scene. Right. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very weird. 
but it was good. It it it, 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 it taught me a lesson that if you if you just keep working, you'll you'll figure it out. Absolutely, and um, I can tell that that work ethic has uh, has continued on by the sheer amount of um, of work that you've put out in the in the recent years. Um, one of my other, which again I cannot specify enough. Uh, what is your um, What is your website? How can people contact you and, and John, find all of this? It's johnbatdorfmusic.com, j o h n b a t d o r f dot com, music dot com. And I also uh, have a, another project. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, check out was the uh, Soundtracks to Recovery project. Oh no! And yeah, if you go on my website and on the opening page, you'll see a little thing that says to recovery dot org, and uh, it's it's uh, a project I did with my buddy Michael McLean, and it was all uh, inspired by uh, one of my sons who became an addict when he was eighteen. And uh, the way that uh, I was able to finally break through communications-wise with him was through a song called "I Don't Always Win," and uh, it was it was our first moment after years of turmoil that we were able to communicate. And uh, so Michael my, and myself decided to make an album. Uh, first, we're going to call it uh, 12 Songs for Twelve Steps." And and just positive music for people, and it has nothing to do. I mean, you, if you hear it, you wouldn't even know what it was about, right. unless you're in, in a situation where you've been in, in that dilemma before. Yeah. So we uh, we made this record, and we decided that we needed more songs. Uh, so we ended up with 17 songs on this album, and now we go out and we play as speakers uh, at uh, recovery conferences, which is very rewarding. And so it's a, it's a thing I'd like you to check out. It's it's. I'm really glad I did it. Well, I'm definitely um, going to check that out. That sounds amazing and um such a wonderful uh you know, a beautiful story um behind it and a wonderful uh thing to do, wonderful work um to be doing and uh such a benefit and help to people and comfort. Um that's that was really inspiring. That's a really inspiring story. Well, thanks. Well, we we just uh, you know originally it was about you know it was mainly about uh, addiction, but then we as we were making the record, we realized that you know everyone's recovering from something in their life, and music is a powerful healer, and that's what that record is all about. And uh, again, I'm really glad that I did it because it's there's nothing quite like being in a room playing for people that know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, it's a powerful moment. Absolutely. Um, wow, that is uh, that is cool. I love um, one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is uh, usually about about fifteen minutes in, which is exactly when that story came. Um, something comes out that I don't know. You know, on the good on the good episodes, and this one's a great one. Um, something comes out that I did not know about beforehand, and is just uh, such an inspiring story. Um, and and that was definitely uh, you know, that's definitely in the running for one of the best things that's ever been talked about on this show. So thank you very much for that. And uh, sure, man. And uh, you know, I can't wait to. I'm gonna put a link to that in the description of the episode so that everybody can check it out easily. Um, Great. Which is which is just fantastic. And uh, you know, that's a big that's a big issue here in Westerly. Um, oh, it's a, it's a big big thing all over the world. Man. Yeah, it's absolutely. Unbelievable. So. Uh, so I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna um you know 
to help spread that message. Um, going back on a lighter note, um, one of your songs that uh, I watched the video of today, and I had I had heard it beforehand um, a couple like a week ago. Um, and I loved it and I couldn't get it out of my head. So I, 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 and then I found the music video this morning and it was even better. Um, seeing you do it in front of a live crowd. Uh, they can't have everything. <laughs> yeah. That was one of those days I woke up and I was just kind of ticked off at everything. And, and you know, that's, that's what writers, that's what writers want. They want, they want to have a subject that they're passionate about and then kind of turn it around where it's kind of funny because you don't want people to get so, you know, so caught up in it, but if you make a little twist on it and make it funny at the end, it's, I think it's, that's what music's all about. You get the message across without getting people angry or getting people too sad. But, uh, man, I just, that's how I felt that day. And, uh, and I actually, I still feel like that. Today. <laughs> yeah. I uh, completely understandable. Um, and, uh, I loved the, um, but it's great though. You you have the you have the very serious you know it's a serious serious subjects are covered in the song and um and then you know you have the build up and then the, the swerve um, the swerve <laughs> into the chorus yeah. uh, and uh, it's great. It, it adds humor to something that's not very humorous. Yeah, it's not very funny at all. No, and uh, <laughs> and the video. I, I love the video with the with the live performance. Um, again, oh, it's great. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything? Um, obviously, uh, July thirtieth, six p.m. You're going to be playing Tunes on the Dunes on the beach with Allison Flower. Uh, how do you know Allison? You know, I I don't know Allison. Uh, okay. That was put together by uh, uh, the actual concert promoter. So I I'm I, I'm looking forward to hearing her, and and I I do want to just if we have a second, just talk about oh we have as much time as you want. <laughs> yeah, how I how how I ended up getting the gig. Yeah. Um, you know the the song Wham Bam Shang Lang, which was uh, a big hit in 1976. Uh, suddenly appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 last year. And uh, and that movie became so big. And there, has, there was a... Uh, I, I couldn't believe it was actually in the movie. <laughs> and there was, a, there was a YouTube page just for Wham Bam Shang Lang and had nearly 8 million views before they took it down. And so the reason I got the gig, Tunes on the Dunes, was because the, 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 uh, the booker heard the song on XM radio and said, gosh, I want to, you know, I did some research. And I, I want to have that guy play here at Tunes on the Dunes. Yeah. And, and, and he had no idea about any, anything else I'd ever done in my life, but it was a great thing. It's just that, you know, by being in another medium, uh, it reached out to someone who had no idea what I'd ever done. And now I'm playing there, which is, which is great. That's what it's all about, man. So it was, wow. we, we want to thank Marvel for putting that in the movie because it was a great, great thing. Absolutely, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, the you know, there's such a uh, music is such a big part of that series. Um, Huge, you know, because uh, Chris Pratt's character has the the mixtape, the mix cassette tape from um, from his mom on Earth. And uh, and everybody was raving about the soundtracks, you know, for those for those movies. So um, 
it, it is really cool to be a part of to be a part of the soundtrack of that movie and i think it's very fitting uh wham bam definitely fits in that and um <laughs> yeah. and you know you you definitely deserve that recognition and, and success and um it's kind of ironic uh because the last um you know the last big musician that i that i had the opportunity to speak to on this podcast was um as i said earlier was joey mullen who uh they had a similar resurgence after um baby blue was used in the ending of breaking bad oh that's great and then they you know so um so it's great and i encourage uh people who make movies to continue uh using all of these songs <laughs> Because uh, it's it's fantastic and it gives a great um, you know it it shares uh, spreads attention to to some to some really great artists who are still doing really great things you know um, especially True. you because I cannot believe all of the 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 sheer amount of new music and the quality of the new music is better than ever. Um, well, thank you for you. I really there isn't a single song that I listened to that I didn't love. Um, oh, well, there you go. That's great. Which was great. Uh, do you have a Do you have like a favorite song you've ever written, or um, one that that means a lot to you? Well, I would think that <clears throat> you know back the 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 song that really made kind of Beto from Rodney be on the map was a song called Home Again. Um, it was on the second Veteran from Rodney album that just kind of exploded on FM radio back then. So that's kind of one of my favorites because uh, so many people recognize it. Um, another one has to be the song that was the inspiration to Tom Texas Three, which is I Don't Win, which is a, just a powerful, powerful song. And I love the Willoughby thing because I mean, these song, songs are all about life. Yeah. And and as you write them, um, you know, you're just you're just kind of writing about what's happening to you in your life. And home again was kind of the beginning of the of the trip. And then we you know flash forward you know thirty five forty years later, and you know I have a son who's in trouble, and, and music again becomes the powerful tool that helps get through that moment. And then when my wife and I were looking for a place to live, and we've been married now forty five years. When we found this place, Willoughby was that was that thing that. So you're just kind of you're just kind of writing about your life and and, and those moments and you know those are three that I but I, I yeah I really like them all. It's like you know, who's your favorite kid? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, no, it's a horrible it's a horrible question <laughs> okay. to ask a to ask such a prolific songwriter. Um, and uh, I want to say that um, it's it's wonderful that uh, your Willoughby really existed. You know, it really is. Because uh, really the because obviously that Twilight Zone, like most Twilight Zones, has has a very sad, uh, you know, sort of creepy, scary ending. But, <laughs> it was um, pretty creepy. Yeah, but uh, but your Willoughby was real, and um, it's well deserved. And uh, you've done a lot of great work. I love the 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 story about the work for addiction, um, and the the songs for recovery, and just you have a tremendous catalog i can't recommend it enough um silver batdorf and rodney uh all of your all of your um solo stuff that's uh you know on spotify and itunes and all of all, all of that and uh johnbatdorfmusic.com 
Yep. Is your website, which will be in the description of this episode. And I cannot recommend people check out your music enough. Um, and July 30th, 6 p.m. on Tunes on the Dunes with Allison Flower. Uh, is there anything else you want to you wanna add or end with? Well, you know, just that uh, I'm really, really happy at, at my age, which I'm 66. And I was never in my wildest dreams that I'd ever thought that I'd still be playing guitar and singing in front of an audience at 66. That's... You know, I don't want to, and I don't want to, I never want to, um, you know, bring up, uh, bring up a guest's age unless, unless they want to. How do you, cause the music that you've recorded this, you know, this year, um, sounds the same, you know, how, how at 66, you have such a recognizable tenor. Um, how, how have you been able to keep the, your, you know, your voice, um, so pristine over the years? Well, I think that one thing is that um, I really recognize and appreciate the fact that I had a gift to sing. And it was very natural to me my whole life to be able to just sing. And, and when I got into doing studio singing, I, I found out about this I had a couple. I was going to see a couple of voice teachers because I wanted to learn how to be better. I always tried to be better. And I went to one guy who was a, one of the top guys in LA, and uh, so I, he says, "Let me hear you sing." So I, I sang this thing, and he goes, "You know, I thought I did really have <laughs> a nice job." And the guy goes, "Well, you do everything wrong. There's no amount of work I could ever work with you on that would ever correct all the problems you have in your singing." And I thought, "Wow, man, this is..." kind of a, a cold uh cold way to to uh meet yeah. a guy that yeah so then I, I was really kind of feeling bad i thought well god you know maybe he's right so i went to another guy named robert edwards and he was he worked with a lot of singers including keb mo who was a great singer and so he had me sing for him and he goes you know all i want to do is help you protect what you have because i don't want to change anything so i learned how to to you know, to warm up and warm down, and um, and I'm you know I haven't I, I know that I have to sleep. I know when I'm on the road, I have to sleep in order to keep my voice. So it, it's really just another discipline thing that you have to take care of what you have, otherwise you're going to lose it. Like so many great singers that that I loved when I was a kid, they just don't sing anymore. And you think, what happened? I just I I I don't I don't understand it, and it's it's sad for me to to lose a gift like that. So I've been lucky enough to, to still be able to hit the high notes. I'm in the same keys that I've written <laughs> everything in from the very beginning. So, yeah. wow. And, uh, well, so, and, and my inspiration is Paul McCartney. I mean, my God. Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, who definitely is somebody who takes care of himself as well and is yep. uh, very well disciplined. Thank you so much. This has been a tremendous interview. I hope that you um, enjoyed it. Thank you, and I want to shout out to Caswell Cook, who actually put this whole thing together. And I'm so glad that he called me and and, and booked me on this show because uh, I'm re- I'm really looking forward to it. And and you know, just keep moving on. Stay Absol- ahead. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and we'll see you on July 30th. Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate your time. For more information on the events and businesses in Musquamacut Beach, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and at Musquamacut.org.